yeah, they 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 get into the air and lose uh, lose contact with where they are. Uh, that for some reason gets blocked. Uh, you know, they're thinking so much about results again. And and I know that Simone Biles, with all the interviews uh, that she had to, to give, all the encroachment in her time, uh, you know, all of that was focused on results and people using the pressure word um, and how by that weight on her, apparently pressure has a weight and it's heavy. Um, all that, it's all focused on, on results. Uh, and how many times was she asked, well, uh, how many medals do you think you can win? Or, you know, what do you do to win a medal in this event? Um, and I know sportscasters are trying to be helpful and sound important, but it's not helpful. In fact, they contribute to the problem because they're talking about pressure, something that doesn't exist, but they, they created in, in the uh, archer's mind or the athlete's mind, whatever the sport is. And uh, instead of asking intelligent questions about the athlete's process or their how they practice to get ready, what, what's involved, uh, things that would help build up the athlete. No, instead, they ask about winning or talk about how much pressure they're under. Or, I mean, we're way ahead of schedule having this discussion at the moment. Yeah, but... I know. That, that's not the topic today. <laughs> about five minutes, because that's, I think we will probably end up rehashing it. But um... yeah. Yeah. yeah, you look, you look uh, as gorgeous as ever. Uh, it's scary. I get better looking every time, isn't it? Uh, it really is. It really is. We got. Have you had your eyes checked lately? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nor you three, will I. You got three ball guys and Larry Wise. Larry, I think apparently the ball guys have this one wrapped up. You need to join you know the club. It. Well, Larry's getting there. He's getting there. So I can I can tell you about the baldness. Well, the guys that are bald in the front, they're, they're uh, lovers. And the guys that are bald in the back are thinkers. So the guys that are totally bald, they think they're lovers. Uh, Correct. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, the truth. You are a wise guy. You are a wise guy. <laughs> or we just choose to use our hormones for other things and growing hair. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Whoa. And the conversation takes an abrupt left turn. I won't touch that one with a six inch pole. <laughs> That's what she said. But I'm oh, man. Funny stuff. And it goes downhill from here. Yep. Correct. All right. <laughs> Episode number 19. I don't think those numbers are right. But <clears throat> well, I'm yeah. That's close. Last week was nineteen, I think. So I have I'm eighteen. Not, 
I have 18 for last week. Yeah. I have 18. Well, maybe we didn't count the first one there. Okay. I'll, I'll leave math up to you, Larry. Yeah, 18, 17. I'm good up to about 20 and then I get lost. Yeah. From there on, there's higher mathematics to me. Yeah. Well, that's why I have the master's degree. That got me from 20 up to 100. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nice. Is your master's degree in mathematics or is it just in secondary ed? No, uh, mathematics education. Mathematics education. Yeah, but there was a lot of math courses in that. Yeah. Who else is joining us today? Nobody yet. Dick is supposed to hop in. Um, mm -hmm. I think, um, and you, I don't. I sent the link to Greg, so I haven't seen any else, anybody else pop up yet. Maybe you can as in trying to join. Anyway. What's that? <clears throat> you. Everyone else is loud and clear, but your volume is pretty low to me. My volume is low. Yeah. Huh. Seems pretty good to me. Okay, well, it could, could be here that everyone else is fine. So, okay. It could, it could be the missing teeth. It's a, an echo yet. Um, yeah, in the back there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, I, you've had more on fun. Facebook, so you didn't see this post, but anybody that gets their wisdom teeth out anytime after their teens or 20s is crazy. Yep. I was in so much pain and I have a pretty high threshold for pain. And yeah, that was tough. Probably two bottles of whiskey, huh? Oh, I'll tell you, after about a week, I had my first bit of alcohol and it felt like it actually felt like it made it worse in some ways. And I don't know why. If it, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the blood thinning and more blood movement. I don't know, but man, the, it just didn't didn't seem to help. Not like you would expect. Obviously, you didn't drink enough. Drink. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That's, or he, he had the cheap stuff. He bought the cheap. <laughs> Correct. Needed the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, that could be. Like I said before, I don't uh, I don't have any of the real good stuff right now. I drank it all. <laughs> <laughs> I drank it all prior to the surgery to cope with the pain from having them in. <laughs> I think that's what it was. So our topic is... One second, I'm getting ready. To, I'm doing my live thing, so... Okay. Ah, go ahead. You can talk about it. Well, the topic that we've chosen to talk about today, because it's so uh, so much out there right right now, is about the the fitness and and uh, health and well being of of the athletes, and uh, or or anyone who trains for something over a period of time and. Uh, and especially as Larry's saying, they end up training for, for the goal and, and not for the training of the athlete and the development of the athlete. 
So we decided to try to put together, begin to put together what hopefully will become a series for a few weeks of addressing um, of addressing that, and that uh, and 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 that the 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 fitness and well-being, which I include in that, uh, people often make all these segments of things in health, but the, you know the emotional fitness, the mental fitness, the physical fitness. But uh, having been trained in in uh, in Bowen theory and systems theory, which sort of revolutionized a lot of medicine, uh, you you look at the total picture of the the person, and so it, it, I, I think it comes down to this, uh, and 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 this is the uh, topic for our discussion, and then we may decide at the end of each segment as to where we want to go with that. But is is really a, a, about Whose responsibility is it really in terms of the, the fitness and well-being of, of an athlete? And as I look at it and as I try to get over sometimes being upset with the International Olympic Committee or, or any venue that, that, that becomes a sports venue, if you, if you think about it clearly, this is how I see it. If you think about it clearly, there's two, there's two things going on here. A development of an athlete who, who wants to really become good at what they do, whatever their chosen sports is, is whatever their chosen sport is. I have to get the S on the right end of that. Um, the, the responsibility lies with the athlete saying something I, I think there's not something right here. I'm not feeling right. I'm, I'm exhausted. Uh, I hurt, you know, and, and, and some of that is necessary, obviously. Uh, it, with a young athlete, certainly the parent or, or the guardian who's, who's involved with that individual. And, and especially with the coach. Because if you look at the venues in which these activities take place, those are businesses. And I do a lot of business consulting all, all over the world with family-owned businesses. And families go through this themselves. You have to be able to separate the family emotions and, and health from the business emotion, the, the business movements, and then the healthiness of the business. The business is there to sell something and make a profit, clearly. And if they don't, there's no business. It's gone. I'm gonna text Dick. People are different, and 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 this is what I'm hoping that we can begin to to address this in a way, you know, not in the way that we're sort of seeing right now. People being reactive and having protests and things like this, because that usually ends up in the Me Too kind of thinking, uh, and and doesn't achieve something. I'm hoping that we can start to achieve something here. They can be at the possibly at the grassroots level. Joe Ad training people in high school, whatever, whatever the sports, um, you know, you know with, with the coaches, the athletic trainers, uh, physical therapists, physicians, and so forth, that can actually make a difference so that the individual um, uh, athlete does not be, identify themselves entirely with their activity and winning. Once that happens, you're on a decline for, for poor health of some sort, and often for, for addiction. I mean, that's, 
that's at the basis of addiction in terms of how I see things. When you have to substitute something else for me, it, it, yeah, for my own worth, instead of I'm worthy, wh whether I win or not, or whether I can accomplish something in, in my sport, I'm still a worthy person to be able to make that separation. And this is the discussions I'm hoping we can have. And, and, and uh, I have some people lined up for for the coming weeks to talk about this, parents that, of, of, of people who have been trained All right. and, and so forth. Uh, well, not to, I don't want to interrupt, just yeah, so I'm, we're going to go I'm, live I'm, now. Yeah. We haven't gone live yet, um, but, and that's good information. I might end up using that anyways. I'll just cut, I'll cut the video and add it in to the recorded part. Um, but I'm not getting a response from Dick. So hopefully everything's all right there. If he joins us as we move forward, we will. Um, I definitely at one point, Jay would like to try to hit on what we talked about with um, when you were in the games. And obviously it's not social media now, but then that was probably your form of social media, like the letters, the the communications, the the things that you Dick maybe did or or was intentional to kind of shield you from any adding any extra expectations to your to your venture um when we get to that get to a point um you know and then just just overall um maybe your experiences with the, the I, I larry i try not to use the pressure word i hate using that word i try i hate saying it the but. the physiological experiences you have in moments of high personal value yeah yeah high moments of high personal value yeah Mo moments of high personal value i have to replace yeah that that's my vocabulary yeah there's no outside force it's yeah right what you create inside like there's no physical pressure no. It no, doesn't no, exist. There's no thing there that weighs heavy. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. those moments of high personal value is where we we exasperate what we're doing to think that it's something that it doesn't have to be. We just we have one job to do. It's just shoot an arrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we are live. Um, we'll give a couple of moments here. Just a quick preface, a little bit of the conversation. This is episode number 19. Um, the mathematician says so. Um, and again, Mr. Bars is joining us. Welcome, sir. Peace. Welcome. Um, Dick is, is supposedly on his way. I'm hoping. I did text him. I talked to him this morning. Um, so we'll... We're, we're just sort of, we're getting started without him, Dick. It is what it is. Maybe, you know, he's in that Arizona time. So, um, <laughs> and um, we have Doc, as usual. We got Mr. Larry Wise, Coach Larry Wise, as usual, myself. Um, this is a special episode of, in some ways, but I, I think it's a topic that I've, I listen to a lot of podcasts and do a lot of, snooping around on the interwebs and stuff and this is sort of a topic that just is never discussed um and it includes mental health it includes physical health it includes the the word we were talking about when we went live 
that the P word, as we call it, or those moments of high personal value and, and all of the things that wrap around us um, and how they affect those, those things. So doc, this is, this is definitely one that is in your wheelhouse. Do you want to kind of give us the rundown of where we're going with this discussion and, and lead us into it? Well, the discussion comes out of what we, we've been seeing going on in particular right now with the, with the Olympics uh, happening and, 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 and we see things going on with athletes and the, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and, and so we decided to try to address the topic in general and have a discussion about it and then perhaps lead to other people we may want to have present uh, to us for our thinking about the, the, the athlete's overall fitness. And, and by that, I mean, you know, the, the full continuum of their health and wellness. And, and we've seen some things take place in, in the Olympics, the Simone Biles uh, situation and so forth, and, 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 and others probably that we don't even know about that uh, have been feeling under um, this uh, sort of duress in themselves uh, um, because of all their training and everything, but because it, everything becomes now goal-oriented. And, and, and it becomes very metallic, you know, the, the gold, the silver, the bronze, and so forth. And so we want to uh, address that topic and have some discussion about it, not, not in the way of a, of, of a somewhat meaningless protest, but in the way of, of beginning to think of how, how, how this could be solved, and, and not necessarily solved even, how this could be worked with at a much earlier level, you know, at the JOAD level. At, at, at the, at the um, um, all, all the different sports. I, I'm not, we're not talking here just about archery. We're talking about motion sports, how people get involved, the time they get involved, the, the training they go through and so forth. So they don't become totally identified with the sport as being their sense of value. And 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 I I would just open it for from there really uh, for our for our discussion. Absolutely, um, Jay. I know you and I had an extensive discussion, and we talked about kind of the external influences with this crazy world of social media that we live in, and how that can have such an adverse effect on the way especially kids can affect their ability to perform, how it kind of creates this pedestal of perfection. I don't know how else to describe it. And you've been down this road. Obviously there was no Facebook then, Um, but we did have emails. Okay. Email letters, you know, (laughs) telegrams. Pigeons, smoke signals, Pony Express. (laughs) We had all that stuff. Carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's definitely. What's that? So, what are your thoughts? What, what, watching, I'm sure you've, you've watched some of the Olympics. You've, uh, unfortunately, may not have seen some of the, the social media posts from, from Korea International, from USA Archery, from, across the board like I, I watch it all and kind of take it all in 
let's 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 reach back into your vault of experience talk about what you did and then let's talk about like what we're seeing today well i mean what i did working with dick and he had me in the place he wanted me mentally um and basically shut everything out else out like i didn't read emails i didn't read the telegrams they all showed up at the olympic village once i was there and i was sure 99 percent of them were going to be positive but I, I didn't look at any of them i mean it's great that people are rooting for you and all that kind of stuff but ultimately why would i care what people i don't even know have to say i mean why would i care that's what i don't get and because i guess i didn't grow up with the social media but these kids crack me up when they say, I've got a thousand friends. I said, really? Why don't you call those thousand friends and tell them you're moving next week and see how many of them show up with a pickup truck. <laughs> that will let you know how many friends you Absolutely. really have. And that round number is going to be about that many. Because if you've never met them, they're not a friend. Yeah. So there's a line that I love now, which is, in order for me to be offended, I must first value your opinion. Yeah. yeah. Why would I care what somebody who doesn't even know me says about me? I, I don't get that. Now, I understand it's easy to say. It's really hard to do. Just like Doc was talking about separating who you are from what you do. It's easy to say, but it's really hard to do. Because we get into this sport and we get very tied up in how we perform. So it's easy for me to make these statements. So don't send cards and letters to Frank about what a jerk I am. I'm just speaking in generalities here. It's easy to make these statements. It's hard to make that separation. But it's 100% up to the athlete and their team to insulate them, them and themselves from all this craziness that's going on. Mm -hmm. it, there's no good that can come from it. It's just there right. can't be. Yeah. So... The purpose of social media, or, or what occurs on it, I guess, is we are comparing ourselves to everyone else. We're constantly comparing ourselves to each other on social media. And unfortunately, it's all almost all result-oriented. Yeah, and, well, and you don't know that the person that's saying they're doing all this great stuff is even doing that stuff. They're sitting behind the computer. They probably never left their mother's basement. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I've been on some of the yeah. archery talk forums years ago. Oh, God bless you. And I you. saw people that <laughs> back then, if you were a FIDA Olympic recurve shooter, if you could shoot a 1300, you were a world-class archer. Um, there was people on there that couldn't break a thousand that were dispensing advice like they were Olympic champions. And it just cracked me up. And I'm like, and people are buying into it. And I'm thinking, this is insane. And it's only gotten worse over time. I mean, now oh, yeah. there's people giving all sorts of, I mean, you got idiots like me talking on shows like this that think they know what they're talking about. So, you know, take it yeah, for but what there's it is. There's a difference there. Hold on. I'm going to interject because yeah. <laughs> you have legitimate olympic experience that no one can duplicate yeah, other than unless they've been in your shoes well, that's different sure no archery is, talk like you said about the guy sitting in his basement who probably never shot an arrow before i mean that's probably an exaggeration i'm sure there are some decent people out there but 
you know, we see that on YouTube alone. Like there's almost a reversal of information available out there right now that makes people feel like they are, um, I don't even know the word, like they have all the answers. And you see that there's people who, I'll use Barabelle because that's, that's my niche. There's people out there that have awesome experience in other archery forums or disciplines giving Barabo advice that has never shot a, a, a national level event in Barabo and people right. take it, you know, so prime example of, of taking information just because it's available, not because it's validated. And, and, and that's the part I don't understand. Um, it, it's no different than talking to a coach in person or another archer in person. If you watch the guy stand there and miss the bail six times in a row, and then he walked up and told you you were doing something wrong in your form, you tell him to go pound salt. I mean, you just watched him miss, but you don't validate anybody when you're doing it through social media. And one of the reasons I don't, I'm not on social media, there's actually two reasons. One, I don't think my life's interesting enough that anybody else should care about it. And two, my life is interesting enough that I don't have to care about anybody else's. So I, 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 again, I didn't grow up with it, but I, I can understand why people get so involved with it. But if you're trying to be the best in the world at something or just compete at something and get better at something, you need to insulate yourself. And that's your responsibility and your team's responsibility mm-hmm. to insulate yourself from mm-hmm. all this craziness that can do nothing but in most instances, tear you down. And that's, that's on you as the athlete. You should figure out what you have to do to be able to put yourself in the right position. Yeah. And, you know, Dick had me in a place mentally where he knew I needed to be to, to compete at my best. And about a month before the games, my mother called Dick up and said, I just want you to know I'm about to kill that boy. And Dick said, what's going on? He said, well, he said something to me. And and I don't remember what I said. She never brought it back up again. But she said, that's unacceptable. He doesn't talk to me that way. I'm going to kill him. And Dick said, Dot, let it go. He's exactly where he needs to be right now. You can kill him after the games. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, but you have to be able to get yourself in that place. And it's up to you and your team to do that and where you can perform at your best. Mm-hmm. I had so, a coach. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Doc. So early on in our young archers training, we must begin teaching them, uh, I think, this, this basic concept that uh, if you would not seek out this person, for advice, why would you take their criticism? Correct. Mm-hmm. And, and when, sorry, when, when Doc mentioned about separating who you are from what you do, the greatest story I have about that is I was at a press conference in, I think it was 92, and it was myself and Greg Luganis, and I can't remember, there were several other athletes there. And one of the reporters asked Luganis, they go, what's the last thing that goes through your mind? before you hurl yourself off a 10 meter platform, 35 feet in the air at a pool the size of a postage stamp, and you're gonna do three full flips and three full twists, and you have to hit the water perfectly straight up and down, and it's to win the gold medal. What's the last thing that goes through your mind? And Lugana said, 
no matter what happens, my mother will always love me. Yeah. I was like, that's it. Drop the mic, case closed, moving on. We're out of here. And that's something that I remembered ever since that day. And it helped me dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. So the results don't matter. It's, you know, I'm going to try to complete this task. And I'm okay if I don't complete it or if I do complete it. Well, it doesn't change who I am. Right. And my thing was the people that like me are still going to like me whether I win or lose. The people that hate me are still going to hate me whether I win or lose. And the people that don't know me got to make up their own mind. Yeah. But you don't love me anyway. <laughs> correct. My mom and my dog will always love me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, and it's easy to say, but it's hard to separate because, I mean, yeah. I went through that, you know, if I, won this tournament or I won that tournament. I'm like, oh, I got to win another one or they'll think I was a fluke or they'll think this or they'll think that. <clears throat> no, they won't. Nobody cares. I promise you. If somebody asks you at an archery tournament, how did you shoot today? The question they're truly asking is, did I beat you? Right. <laughs> That's all they want to know. 100%. <laughs> they don't care how you shot. They want to know if they beat you. That's I've actually it. gotten to the point where people ask me that. I actually come back to them. Are you asking me what my score was? <laughs> people will sit there they'll, they'll stop asking <laughs> yeah there's there's two people on that field that care how you shot you and your coach yeah as it in, in reality yeah 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 so another theme about teaching our young people then has to be uh to teach them in their minds that what other people think is none of their business So what other people think about me is none of my business. I got to make True. it none of my business. Yep. Right. Tough and I mean, it's, it's hard as an adult because you do care at some level that, I mean, you want to yeah. be liked. You want to, you know, you want to please people. I mean, so it's even harder for kids to have that mentality, but you have to start preparing them for that for sure. At least introduce them to the concept so they right. can start to internalize that because otherwise you know, you get somewhere as a little bit older and you're competing at a higher level and then all of a sudden this happens. Now you're, you're nowhere because you haven't even thought about the subject or broached the subject. Right. Yeah, the carryover um, from that too, for spe specifically for kids, if you can get young kids to shoot archery and not care one iota what other people say, do about anything other than just shooting that arrow, they carry over to their regular lives going to school and dealing with the public school system the way you know the struggle of of being um just in society in general whether somebody wears a mask doesn't wear a mask i can't believe that that's actually something though that the kids like stress about that now uh, and it's unfortunate but they do and you know whose parents are vaccinated whose parents aren't vaccinated all that other stuff none of which really matters in this world but so they don't have to stress over what other people think. Be comfortable with who you are and what you're doing, because that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You don't need to impress anyone. You don't need, no, nobody else's standards have an effect on you. The only thing that affects you is what you do. That's it. Yeah. Um, one part of the uh, building blocks of performance presentation that I do 
uh, is to, and, and we did this for our junior dream team kits, the five years we ran that national program, uh, was to try to impress upon them that shooting an arrow is just a task. I mentioned this a few minutes ago. It's just a task, like taking out the garbage. You know, sometimes you spill the garbage, well, you pick it up and, you know, gather it all up and get it in the can. And that had no effect on who you were as a person. Right? And so shooting an arrow is just a task. Uh, it indicates only uh, how far along you are in acquiring a skill for shooting an arrow. But it's hard to, for kids to separate uh, their score with who they are as a person. It's hard for adults to separate that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's easy to sit here and say it. I get that. Because, you know, like I said, I suffered with that for a while, you know, worried about what other people were going to think. And then, you know, finally it dawned on me it really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you ask somebody 20 minutes after a tournament's over who finished first, second, and third, and most people can't even tell you. That's how much it matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, and just to kind of go back to, or circle back a little bit to the social media there seems there's a little bit of a double-edged sword with um, corporate sponsorship and the direction of the pro staff shooting staff chasing sponsors and I and I had a I had a parent in a in a the Barebow group post the other day about their child placed fourth at nationals and you know are there any bow companies out there looking for sponsors and stuff and I very tactfully commented and said to be completely honest with you you should go the uh, complete opposite direction of that mindset because whether a, a a youth shooter gets a sponsorship or not. If you, if they have a bow company and they add, they give them that bow and they hand it to them. So here you go. That could turn into unwanted or unneeded pressure very quickly because it adds responsibility to promote. It adds responsibility to do extra things. And in some mindsets, you can be like, ah, they gave it to me. I'll do as I want. But so many people who are looking for those accolades of being a shooting staff or whatever that term is, they take that on because they think it's like a popularity thing or a contest to see who can be on what shooting staff. And they, they add pressure to their youth shooter because they want a free bow or they want this. And all they're really doing is almost having an adverse effect on their performance by adding another level of responsibility. Not all you shooters are cut out for that. Few are actually. Well, and it's all on how you interpret that as well. You know, when I got sponsored by a company, I, I it was a great ego stroke. I, I loved it. It, you know, I felt like I was getting validated, but I never looked at it the other way of, oh, if I don't shoot good, they're going to take it away from me. Like my mind just didn't work that way. I just looked at it as a totally positive thing. And I didn't feel like I had to go out and do anything different. I didn't feel pressure to win anymore. Mm -hmm. I looked at it like they gave me this for a reason. And so, great. I'm awesome now. I'm going to go shoot it. But I didn't feel additional pressure. But I've seen that happen when I was in mm -hmm. the industry. 
And even on the bow hunting side, there was bow hunters that we sponsored that ended up breaking the law and poaching animals yeah. just, oh, to, yeah. just yeah. to have a bigger rack on the wall because they felt like they, they had this pressure to perform now that they were being sponsored by companies. And maybe I'm not smart enough to think that way, but that was never how I interpreted it. So a lot of this is how you interpret this stuff. Um, you know, to Larry's point earlier, what happens to you physically um, is arousal. It's not, it's how you interpret it, whether it's pressure or whether it's good. And I use the example of as a kid, when you wake up Christmas morning, that feeling you have is excitement because it's Christmas. If you're that same kid sitting in class, you get called to the principal's office. <laughs> that feeling you have is not excitement. It's dread. <laughs> But what physiologically happened to your body is exactly the same. That's it's right. how your mind interprets it. So same thing with the sponsorship or, and I know you hate the word pressure, but I'm just going to call it what it is. Pressure that is self-imposed. Um, yeah. That's all by how you interpret what's happening to you at the time physiologically. That's good. That's real good. Um, and that, yeah, I think the, um, not to get into all the details at this point, but what we saw happen now, now almost a week ago with Simone uh, Biles, to, ha to have the sen uh, enough sense of herself to be able to say, what's happening to me right now is putting me in a position of being in danger. I'm I'm out of I'm out of control. Even though I'm 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 sure she was in the competitive mind style, which was probably a fine thing. But to be able to recognize that and to be able to step down and say what she said, to me that's the mark of the champion. <laughs> to to be able to be honest yeah. with herself in, 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 virtually in front of the world and say I'm, I'm going to step out for reasons for myself and, and for the team. And I, I thought that was, mm -hmm. that, that just took a lot of, not oh, only yeah. courage, but yeah, just a lot, a lot sensitivity. Of maturity. Yeah. yeah and, when, and, when I first heard, when I first heard that, I was a lot less um, okay with it at first because I didn't realize they had the yips in gymnastics that you could get the twisties or whatever they call it. Um, and I just thought she was succumbing to the, you know, to the whole, I've got to repeat, I've got to be the champion. I've got all this on my shoulders. And I thought I was, I was, I was not impressed. I'm like, what a, I thought that's just, you're scared to lose. And so you don't want to embarrass yourself. And so you're going to dump on your team and you're just going to drop out. And then the next day when I heard about, there is a thing called the twisties and she realized I have no idea where I am in space at any given time. <laughs> that's a problem as a gymnast that's a lot more <laughs> high consequence than having target panic as an archer when oh. you don't know where you are in midair that's a problem so once i learned that then i was i'm with yeah. you doc it was like that was amazing that she had that yeah. insight and that yeah. ability to say look <laughs> i can't do this now and i for the betterment of the team and for my own personal safety yeah. I'm, I'm gonna step out that you know, so I had a lot more respect once I understood the full, you know, situation. Yeah, the, 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 that's maturity at its best, as far as I'm yes. concerned. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Last week, I was I was working on my book, reorganizing it for the publisher who wanted it reorganized, and I happened to be working on my uh, protocol for handling target panic and shooting beyond target panic, uh, the procedure that I used to teach with. And that's when all of this hit last week with Simone Biles. And I thought, damn, that's, uh, you know, I, I work with people who have target panic and she has target panic of a form. Yeah. And, uh, and then on social media, a very good friend of mine, um, posted the same uh, same response you had, Jay, at the beginning. Well, you know, she just needs to put on her big girl pants. And so I wrote a, a kind response explaining what I do with people all over the country with target panic. And, uh, you know, that it is mental and just debilitating and dangerous for a gymnast. Yeah extremely yeah. <laughs> i had the same i had the same response and I, I i heard of the twisties because my sister previously um professional gymnastics coach and we were we were having a family discussion because my family was all involved in gymnastics when we were younger and we we're talking about it and then and then she, we saw the headline about the twisties and i was like i remembered it so i quick did a google search but then i did i started searching further to find out there's multiple teenage gymnasts who have been paralyzed from the neck down from getting um, twisties mm -hmm. and landing and just kind of ignoring it or trying to push through it, you know, and you, you have to look at what, where Simone's legacy is. You know, I had some people like Jay said, told me, Oh, she's just protecting her goat status. So if she loses, she's no longer the goat. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was necessarily the case, but, um, you know, when, when life, when the risk of life comes out of, of, and the ability to step up and say, my <clears throat> life matters more to me than winning a gold medal or any medal for that matter at this point, I don't know how you can't not support that. And let's mm -hmm. add into, and that, I mean, this is going down a, a path much outside of archery, but it's still, it's that mental health sort of side of things. Um, let's not forget about what the, the Nasser, uh, Larry Nasser era, and she's one of the final gymnasts to, to be a part of that era that's still on the team, you know, and some of the complications with USA gymnastics and all of that stuff. I mean, there's gotta be just so much going on to be able to stay at the level of competition that she has and then have the presence of mind to back off and say, uh-uh, it's not, it's not about protecting a legacy. It's about protecting my life at this point. Yeah. I'd like to walk home from the Olympics. <laughs> and for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True story. I mean, and again, just to, so everyone to, to relate this, the twisties is sort of a comparison to target panic. But there's a higher level of risk <laughs> and the end result, you know, but it's still, you know, I guess yeah, we you know, I, full I draw, you, you lose where you're at. Pants in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 
I get disoriented. Having had the an experience in, in, in part of my life with a young fellow who hope, hopefully he's going to be on one of our future programs here in the, the next week or two, a fellow named Brandon Wynn, who is known as the the top gymnast at this point um, on, uh, on uh, rings and high bar. And he was preparing this time again to, to, for his third Olympics. Uh, and then they didn't have the World Games. And so that was his way into this because he wasn't part of, the, of our gymnastic team. But, but having been around him and, 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 and see how that training, beyond all that skill, became part of him as a person. It, 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 to me, and, and, and this is what I'm hoping this subject can bring up, for us and how how to keep this addressed in front of, with the athlete the, the the sport itself helps to hone the character of the person this is not the result of the, the, the sport that develops the, the character of the person it's how the the person effectively participates in that activity and and, and that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's not about something you're going to hang around your neck. And uh, I, I, a number of years ago, I was teaching in, in, in Greece for a while at the university and I had the opportunity a couple of times to, because uh, it's very close to the university, uh, to be where the first Olympic Games were held. And at that time, I was a fairly able r- runner. And I actually ran around the track a number of times. You know, that, that was that was quite a feeling to 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 run where all those people did for a thousand years or so. And but the original Olympics, it, it it's smaller than a football field, <laughs> smaller than a football field, and, and and you wouldn't even invite anyone there to play. You know, I mean, it's just sort of a nondescript. And, and it wasn't about sponsorships. It wasn't about a business. It wasn't about people getting trained. It was people who developed a really able skill who all came together just to show what, what, what they had developed. And, and, and you know what they got <laughs> if they won? Was a branch of stuff that's going to deteriorate in a few weeks and blow away anyhow. The laurel leaves. You know? Yeah. There was no metal to it. What they got was the, the, the enjoyment of, of participating with other people to say, well, here's how I do it. This is what it means to me. With, with throwing something, running, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It, it's become something different, but, but we need to separate out that difference. It's our right for businesses to run venues where people can come and participate. So we can see them with our, all of our modern media and, and so forth. But let's keep those two things separate. And if we can, then things like Larry Wise and, 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 and Jay, you teach and Frank, I mean, I, I, I get very little opportunity to, to coach people who are developing archery. I end up working with them later in, 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 in some ways. And I hope I'm helping. I'm not a professional archer. I'm an archery professional that's trying to understand more of what goes on when you shoot archery. But if we can help 
and I think the best place to start is, is, is early on. It's very hard to change someone's habits when they're already, they've already run, been in one or two major competitions and they, they're pretty well set in their ways and how they feel about winning and losing. But maybe we can turn that around at an earlier level and encourage people to do that. Well, and Doc, to, to your point, we've talked a lot about the kind of the bad side of the mental part of sport, but what you should be taking out of it when you're a kid or even as an adult when you're training, it should be the determination you have to excel. It should be your work ethic. It should be the fact that you're willing to go out there and grind. That's who you are. It's what you put into it is who you are and the things you can hang your hat on and the things that are going to help you in your job and, and in life and in, you know, being successful in other areas. It's that work ethic. It's all of that that determines who you are. Whether you win or lose at the end of the day isn't who you are. It's what you do. But all those skills you can develop through sport, I think, I mean, I just look at kids that I'm around that do sport versus the ones that don't. And it's night and day difference in self-confidence and the ability to take on new things and to try new things and have that confidence in themselves that a lot of kids that don't do sports just don't have. Yeah. yeah. And, and in archery, we're teaching that we do our archery by steps. We're organized mm -hmm. and we're thinking our way through steps. And if you can transfer that to other areas of your life, you know, organize your approach to doing something, you're going to be much better off. Mm. Yeah. And, and I also like this, you know, archery particular as an individual sport, even though there's a team round as an individual sport, if you go to a tournament and you shoot great, you get to look at yourself in the mirror the next morning and go, you're awesome. And if you shoot like crap, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, right. That wasn't so good and yeah. figure out why. And so you and start to learn a lot to. about, <laughs> correct. You start to yeah. learn a lot about yourself and how you respond in certain situations and under certain right. circumstances and then how to cope with that. And that helps you in all sorts of areas in your life, not just flinging arrows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he hit the nail on the head, especially when you started talking about Larry with just teaching steps and what's the next step? What do you need to do next to get the desired goal? Whether it's the next step is to set your hook and then set your grip, or if the next step is I want to get an A in on my test, so what do I need to do? Well, I need to go over the information that I studied in school. I need to be prepared. I need to do this. Is it, is it, well, I need to you know, I have this specific task at work that I need to accomplish. What do I need to do? My son is doing landscaping. My 14 year old right now has a landscaping job for, um, oh, looks like Dick Tone is going to hop in here in a moment. And he's never had a job like a, he has like a grass cutting job, but this is like a legitimate job. And they're like, okay. And the, the people who we know they're paying them like 20 bucks an hour. I'm like, you better earn that $20. <laughs> so, but he's like, well, we need to, this is what we have to do. And they went through the whole step. We need to move these here. We need to put all this 40 pound bags of sand, throw them on your shoulder. We got to pick everyone up. That's one of the steps, pick it up, carry it over there and put it down, follow your steps. 
you know, and having the ability to just aggressively go after something like some kids would be like, I don't, I don't want to move a bunch of sandbags, but he, I'm not saying that archery is the reason that he, you know, can adapt to that situation. But I am saying that the mindset of what do I need to do to get this job done? That does directly um, relate to the, what we have to, the approach that we have to have in archery. What is the job that I have to do to shoot an arrow in the middle? I got to do this X, Y, and Z. That's what I got to do. Um, Dick said he's, he's joining us here. And I'm curious, I'm hoping he, I don't know if you've talked to Dick at all, Jay. Um, I am curious to know, you know, was this part of the discussion? Actually, I do know a little bit from the seminar, but like with Casey being so young, going to the Olympics, you know, I'm curious of how, how some of, some of that was approached from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, social media is a different world than now, you know, and like we talked about with sponsors, like you kind of have some responsibilities, but you know, it depends on, on how that stuff is set up and careers. Well, and how, how you look at it. I mean, it, it all, at the end of the day, it's how do you interpret this stuff and how do you internalize it? And do you let it be a negative or do you make it a positive? Yeah. And that's on you and your team that, you know, everything Dick did for me leading up to the games was making everything a positive. It was, it wasn't about, you know, if you don't win, Hoyt's going to pull your sponsorship or, you know, it, it, none of that. It was, there was never any of that. It was all about the positive stuff, how to move forward, how to perform your best, where you need to be mentally you know, one of the things he always told me was if your life, if your personal life is not in order, you can't perform your best, you know, on the field. So your personal life, you have to get it squared away. It's got to be in order. Um, three months before the games, they turned my phone off because I couldn't afford to pay my phone bill and my rent. And I felt shelter was a lot more important in communication <laughs> at that point. Um, you know, so uh, and Dick ended up helping me out and paying my phone bill for me so I could so he could call me and talk to me but you know that's the kind of stuff that happens and how you interpret it and to me yeah, it was a bummer but it was like oh well I still got a place to live um you know so that's it's how you interpret this stuff and how you internalize it as a positive or negative yeah mm -hmm. that's that's another that might be another podcast altogether but that the notion that olympic athletes have to endure that sort of stress from the financial side that stinks that in that that happens it's a lot less today than it was back sure then is. i can tell you for sure <laughs> but it's still night and day from what other countries are doing oh yeah no when well in 88 a friend of mine from um italy uh they're one of their top shooters andrea parenti he asked me he goes how much money did you make this year <laughs> i said doing what i i assemble arrow rest for dig tone at cavalier equipment that's how i make money three and a half cents a piece and i can make about 10 bucks an hour he said no no i mean from the olympic committee and from your sponsors i said nothing why and he looks at me like you're crazy he goes so tell me what you did this year so i told him all the stuff i had done the scores i had shot the tournaments i had won the olympic gold medal and he figured it out this was in 1988 remind you and he said yeah if you'd have been italian this year you'd have made about one hundred twenty thousand dollars." insane Imagine what that yeah. number is now. More. No. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know that's i mean that's kind of the difference of course 120,000 lira is like 28 bucks yeah no no dollars dollars oh, dollars okay. <laughs> dollars yeah when, when i was in italy and i got my the, the first uh uh bill from a, a restaurant and i looked down and i saw all these numbers i thought oh my god where's the door you know <laughs> someone had to create a distraction while i escaped <laughs> yeah well, well we I, went to poland we went to poland for a tournament and i cashed a hundred dollar bill into uh, zelati polish money and it was like uh a million four hundred thousand or something i was like finally a millionaire <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Unfortunately, you probably doesn't spend the same. No. When you, yeah. But what about you know your your situation with like Korea and watching the way there like there it was. There was like, I started saying it earlier and I never finished the statement. I had a I had a coach one time who always told me, and I may have said this in the podcast before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. Every good athlete has a chip on their shoulder in some way, shape or form. You have a chip on your shoulder and, and like every single Korean archer came off that way. They were, they were there for one thing and one thing only. And that was to do and, and honestly, just whatever they can do as far as get achieve a podium. Now, surely in the individuals that got changed up a little bit, but in the team round, it was super, super impressive to watch. Um, for both men and women and you gotta you gotta wonder like that approach and their venue the their pre-games shooting venue like imagine what what that does for their confidence going into the games like it's it's gotta have a tremendous amount of of um, benefit it's kind of like going to the classic like get if you shoot, if you think you're, you know, if you're preparing to to make the eight top eight shoot up, practice standing up on a platform, shooting at a target at 18 meters with the lights on the target and the lights on you, you know, it's kind of like that same, that same approach. Do you know what I mean? Imagine what that does for your mental wellness going into a tournament. And being prepared for it. it well it's, it's great because it's you know been there done that kind of feeling so it's not a surprise but it also is one of those things where you know you've done everything you can possibly do to put yourself in the best position to win and right. so if you've done that then you can go there with a free mind you don't have that in the back of your head oh, i should have got up that one wednesday and gone and shot mm-hmm. because you did i should have done this i should if you're thinking that way by the time you get to a major competition <clears throat> you you didn't do everything you could to be where you needed to be and that's you know that's what the koreans do by the time they get there they've left nothing to chance they've done everything they possibly could humanly do to give themselves the best opportunity does it always work out obviously not we saw that you know on the individual side of things but you you can never you always feel good about hey i did everything i could do and so you can sleep with a clean conscience at night versus with regrets and there's nothing worse than that yeah we also saw, however, on the other side or on the positive side of that, you saw the first ever archer to come away with four medals, four gold medals in one Olympics. That's pretty impressive. The female, female Korean that won. In oh, the yeah, Olympics. yeah, yeah. So she got mixed team, 
women's team women's team individual and what's the other one okay. three is it three yeah three it's three just, medals. It's just three yeah not four three sorry yeah. so but well, well i don't know anymore it's possible she could have shot else. on the men's team yeah <laughs> how's that larry Maybe she stole one from somebody else, Frank. <laughs> I mean, from uh, um, I can't remember his name. He's like thirty-nine. He's probably the oldest, oldest archer to compete. I can't remember his last name. I was looking it up. I never had to say it correctly, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it was. It definitely you watch them you watch their approach to coming to the line you watch their just demeanor and you can see that there's definitely a level of just man i don't even know how to describe it intensity mm-hmm. with their well approach. it's also that, that i always i call it being cocky and people go oh that's bad i'm like no no arrogance bad cocky's good and the difference is if you're arrogant you're telling everybody else if you're cocky you've got that internal confidence that you just walk Mm -hmm. in there with that air about you that i'm going to shoot my best here i just am and you know i wonder who's going to be second and that's kind of the mindset you have to have and part of that is that preparation leading up to it if you've done all that but you know i tell the kids i coach i'm like look you have to have an unshakable confidence in yourself unshakable regardless of if you think you deserve it fake it till you make it but you have to have that internal confidence because nobody else is going to have it for you Mm. you know as your Mm. coach i can't give it to you i can have all the confidence but if you don't believe it it's not going to happen so even if you're faking it at this point eventually you will come to to own it and anybody that performs at the top level has that whether it's business or archery or gymnastics you've got to have that and that's kind of that chip on your shoulder you were talking about mm-hmm. yeah that's that's it i mean and you got you have to we're talking about you know the mental health and wellness of an athlete and those preparations prior help with that during the competition mm-hmm. for sure i think that's what people need to that's one way leave no stone unturned Make sure that if you said you were going to go practice on that Wednesday, go practice on that Wednesday. Don't skip that day, which, which I'm sitting here and I have a billion things to do today. And I, well, shooting was not one of them. Now I'm like, man, I should go shoot. You know, <laughs> as, as I sit here getting ready for, or, or, you know, basically preparing for senior nationals, target nationals. And I'm like, gosh, I can't take a day off. Uh, may, may squeeze in some blind bill because I got a good billion things going on today. But it's that mindset though that you have to have. You just have to have it. You can't you can't just mm-hmm. be like, ah, not today. Because that's what's gonna happen then when it comes time. I know well, or or you or you have to be honest with yourself and say, look, I don't have the time to do this. I've got a job, I've got a family, I can yeah. practice three days a week for 75 arrows, then don't plan on winning the Olympics. Yeah. But set a more realistic goal so you're not beating yourself up for trying to accomplish something that just is not, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. Be real. Be real with yourself. Correct. Yeah. Yes. My objective would be to find every arrow at the next tournament then, Frank. Correct. <laughs> I want to tie the world record in hits. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Great objective. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, our, our intention for this next week is to have um, uh, maybe two or three of the various athletes on to talk about exactly what uh, Jay was talking about, how how their athletic experience over the years, uh, at whatever level they were competing, uh, has actually um, tempered them for their for for the rest of their life, and uh, and 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 how they maintain that. You know, you 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 can temper steel for so long in the event because as a blacksmith, I can tell you. Uh, it, it'll finally lose its temper. So you have to keep working it at a certain level to maintain the temper. And I, I think there's an analogy there that goes for sports. It goes back to what we're talking about here as to how, how it develops character for people and, and then how to pass that on maybe to others, you know, to their own kids eventually or others in the community. So, yeah. All right, well, good chat. I think we uh, definitely went longer than normal, as usual. See you, Jay. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Jay. Good to Always see you. Always good to see you, gentlemen. That's Thank good. You. you. Work too. on that haircut, Larry. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to shave a little more off. <laughs> Talk to y'all later.